Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Delighted today to be joined by Andy Elmley, who's Director at Red Jam Process Transformation. Hi, Andy. Hi, Simon. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Good. So we're going to talk a bit around continuous improvement today, Lean Six Sigma, and we're going to delve into business improvement apprenticeships, which will be interesting, not something I'm massively familiar with, but always keen to find out more. Before we get into the detail, I think it's always good for people that may not know you or connected to you on LinkedIn or work with you in the past for you to give the listeners some background of what you do, where you've worked before, and I think the business is relatively new, isn't it? So how you came about to set up uh, Red Jam. Hi, everyone. Uh, As Simon said, my name is Andy Almy. Um, I'm the director of Red Jam Process Transformation Specialists. I've been in uh, transformation, business transformation roles for about 15 years now in large corporates, working in uh, Sainsbury's, Argos, in Wilco. Had the opportunity to deliver some large scale transformation programs, delivering over around £18 million worth of efficiency savings. I'm also a, a Lean Six Sigma black belt. And I know Simon said we're going to talk, uh, touch a little bit about uh, on that today. And finally, uh, successfully graduated from Manchester Met University uh, with my with an MBA with my dissertation applying continuous improvement principles and technology to improve quality uh, in Red Systems company that I'm uh, currently working working in partnership with. Uh, they are based in the construction industry. Several years of business transformation experience. Yeah, I really wanted to share and talk to you today about continuous improvement and also the business improvement apprenticeships and just, just give you a bit of opening to my world, really. Red Jam is quite recent. Uh, I've, I met uh, the managing director of Red Systems at university. He asked for some support in his business. So I went into Red Systems and he set up and helped me set up the business of Red Jam Process Transformation Specialist. Always wanted to work on my own, uh, work work for myself and set up my own company, offering specialist um, consultancy and improvement process improvement to organisations. And this was just seemed like an ideal opportunity. We'll continue to monitor the progress and uh, clearly work together closely in the coming weeks, months and years. And uh, no, it's good that you've, you've taken the leap, setting up your own business. There's plenty of benefits. There's plenty of sleepless nights as well and uh and probably working harder than you've ever done is is what experience tells me but i'm sure you'll be a great success andy um, thanks and we'll, we'll, we'll continue to work together so lean six sigma continuous improvement it, it's interesting i find it really interesting that businesses some i've worked in boots go through cycles of going down the route of lean six sigma you talked about being a black belt, you know, training people up to be green belts, black belts, all that kind of stuff. Before we get into the detail of pros, cons and where it really works and, and where you should be cautious, in your words, it's probably good for the people that have heard the terminology but don't necessarily know what it is to give us, a, I suppose, a quick two-minute tour of what is Lean Six Sigma Stroke Continuous Improvement. Lean Six Sigma is, uh, as you said, use it use it in many organisations. I think the challenge is, in some cases, the language, and uh, it definitely puts so, so definitely puts people off sometimes. Which is why I try and just simplify it to really business improvement. It's business improvement methodology, um, and all we're doing really is looking at the moment the customer gives us an order, 
to to the point that we collect the cash or add any add any value to that process. And we're looking at that timeline and trying to reduce it by removing the non-value added steps. So essentially, it's for, for me remove the the technicalities and and uh, around lean and lean six sigma it's how long does the process take how many steps are involved in that process and and how much variation is in that process and how do we reduce that timeline how do we reduce it and simplify that process and and i think if challenge for for everybody out there today you know if you think about your day-to-day processes is there any unnecessary steps and i mentioned that word removing the non-value added waste. And part of that is really to look at the, the three types of value add. So when we look at a process and we, we, we look at improving you know, business improvement, we look at three, three types and that's customer value add. What is the customer prepared to pay for and, and is it right first time? Business value add. So what are the steps in there that are required by law? What activities do we need to keep in to keep the business running and then finally non-value add so what steps can we remove what steps can we simplify and how do we remove them and reduce or simplify those steps i think the the interesting thing you talked about there and if i if we put our retail heads on i suppose because that's where we're, we're maybe most comfortable is variation or deviation the amount of and i'm sure you've seen it process maps i've seen where somebody will lay out this is the way it's done in a typically in a head office. It could be anything from a, let's say a pharmacy process, till process, stock process, whatever more and more. I'm sure in the, in the current times of pick from store process or cleaning processes that that's how it's done. That's the process map. We'll go off and measure it. Cause like you said, you kind of need the time blocks against each part of the process to understand saving or quantify the benefit. When you actually go and measure six, eight stores, the process map bears no resemblance to what's physically being done. Now it might be called the same thing. Let's call it COVID cleaning for want of a, a topical process, but all those steps are all jumbled up. They're all in different orders. There's different steps that they've added in locally. There's steps they don't do. So have you had that experience of the variation is almost, if I've got 200 stores, there's almost 200 variants of some process. Yeah, I think so. I think my experience put our retail hats on many a time where you've got 400, 500 different stores and 400, 500 different ways of different ways of looking at it. I think the challenge is in some respects that from a, from a head office point of view, from a central point of view, we've got this idea of how we think the process operates. However, until we go to the go to the site, go to the store, go to actually understand how that process operates and work and empower those people closest to the problem we we then it's not until then we get a real idea of actually how the process really operates how different it is from how head office think it's think it operates but the importance of empowering those frontline workers uh, a model called the iceberg of ignorance sydney yoshida's iceberg of ignorance and it's based on research many years ago that 4% of problems are actually only known, 4% of an organization's problems are actually only known to top managers. Uh, however, 100% of problems are known to frontline workers. So it's really critical to empower those people closest to the problem to really get an understanding of, of actually how the process operates, how different it is from the head office process, but more importantly, 
what is the what are the challenges? What are the issues? What are the pain points that that the teams are facing on a on a daily basis that that actually doesn't come to the surface? There's a classic photo, isn't there, of a guy walking down a road and they've put the path on the side of the road and he's just cut straight across the grass because it's one quicker to get to the point where he wants to. And I think that the title's always something around design versus user experience. So, you know, somebody's designed the path, they think that's the best flow for it. Actually, everybody who uses that route just walks straight across the grass because it's quicker to get to the traffic lights or whatever's on it. Yeah, it always amazes me that sometimes the answers are always within the organisation or they're the right questions maybe to the right people aren't being asked. Absolutely. I think, you know, the art is absolute within business improvement is, you know, facilitating those sessions. Currently, you know, working within Red Systems, who are a structural glazing company based in the northwest of England, uh, and they're based in the construction industry. And the construction industry at, the, at this stage, you know, it's, it's there's a lot of research out there about it should be concerned about the influence quality can have on future projects. I think the estimate currently is around 15% of all costs are, are associated to poor quality and many cases relating to defective components. And one of the, the, the key things I did within Red Systems was, was empower those people closest to the problem, spend time on site with the site teams, with the, with the teams that install the, the structural glazing listen to their challenges, listen to their issues. And, and, and you know, it was, it was, it certainly seemed bizarre for, for those that are involved, but, you know, getting them in a room and, and understanding their process, mapping their end-to-end process, but more importantly, uh, understanding their issues and their, their challenges that they face on a daily day, day, day-to-day basis, really important to empower those people closest to the problem. And I think out of all of the business improvement techniques uh, over the years, my the, the first one I go for is, is absolutely working with those closest to the problem, those on the front line, and, and listening to their voice. Again, retail, heart, hospitality, out, whichever customer-facing, customer-centric environment you work in, reducing variation or compliance, as people may call it, is, again, that holy grail of there's a belief that the more compliance you get, you therefore drive better results, there's less waste, there's increased customer advocacy, increased colleague engagement. Lots and lots and lots in the press at the moment around tech, so tech driving development, certainly within retail and hospitality, whether it be chatbots or more things done through mobile devices by colleagues. Will that adoption of the next generation of tech, so maybe more predictive learning, AI, more things streamlined into process, drive out variation, or actually do you think people have just learned to work around systems where back to the start point, they've not been involved in the construct of the end-to-end process? I think your second point there, I think it's it's um, technology is great and so we've had some great results. I certainly had some great results in, in technology, but the art is really how do you uh, apply in a continuous improvement framework in every every role that I've worked in it's around first of all how do you create that winning mindset how do you develop that internal capability in terms of business improvement but also empower those people closest to the problem to create that winning mindset before you even look at look at the technology then that, that next stage then is actually how do you eliminate anything that's waste? So as we talked about, you've created that winning mindset. Now you're looking at that that process or that end-to-end process 
what steps do not add value to the customer or are not uh, adding value to the business? And then how do you simplify that? And then once you've simplified that process and looked at optimization, finally, how do you then use technology to, to, to automate that? I think it's really important. Technology absolutely has its place, but I think it's really important to map that against an organizational's problems. So understanding what the organization's problems are and how can technology support those. Certainly, um, what I've seen in the past is, is this new piece of technology. This is going to solve all of our problems. But actually, the organization has not really understood what all of its problems are yet, are in the first place. And they haven't done that and they haven't worked with those closest to the problem to understand that in order to, to use technology uh, in, in the best way. Yeah, I think that's a really valid point. The, the amount of times like you, we see an organisation buy some tech and, and normally it's that expensive end of tech. So a new HR system, new CRM system, new EPOS system even people start to hang lots of things off it. So it becomes this almost saviour of it's coming, it's coming, it's going to be big. We know there's a big change and they do great work on the change management process and stuff. But the, this thing that's on the horizon all of a sudden is this panacea of answering or solving all the problems that exist. So it'll mean we can take payment quicker if it's EPOS and it'll mean we'll have every customer's email address and it'll mean we can do X, Y, and Z and we've got all this extra future-proof functionality but all of that might be predicated on you need a certain set of clean data or you need all these parameters to put in or like you say the process actually isn't mapped it gets implemented everyone's a bit disappointed or they didn't really receive the benefits and it's normally the software or the software provider that gets the kick not the self-reflection of all of these solutions however good bad indifferent they are good data in good data out crap data in crap data out that saying is everyone i'm sure who listens to this will have heard it i don't see many project plans where they think about what's the problem we're trying to solve then what's the next level of detail of well, what processes do they involve map the as is to the the 2b but take the technology out of the equation because almost the technology just becomes the answer tick the box when are we in pilot proof of concept rollout all that kind of stuff does that resonate yeah absolutely i think understanding the problem you're trying to solve is 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 really important at the start of a start of anything that you start with so you know i think it was albert einstein that said if he had an hour to solve a problem he'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about solutions so really invest in that time up front to understand what is the problem you're trying to solve I uh, quite recently got an example within Red Systems, a piece of technology that is on-site. It's an on-site digital tool, field view, and it does on-site health and safety. It does on-site quality. It's, it's a great tool, but Red Systems has invested in it and taken all of their manual forms and put their manual forms directly into that digital format. Yet what they hadn't done is look at, okay, what are the forms that we need? What are the processes that we follow for those forms? So I spent spent a good six months with Red Systems and, and looked at, worked with empowered people closest to the problem, looked at what are we using this solution for? What are our other business problems that we could use this solution for? And, and then really, you know, really drill down into the benefits of this of this technology but link it to 
What are the challenges on site? What are the issues on site? And we've had some great results now because we took a step back and, and, and got that insight from site, but also got, got, the, got the insight from the site teams and the overall business and mapped those end-to-end processes and then used that and looked at how can the technology help. What it does and what it has done, it's shone a different light on, on, on the technology and how the benefits of field view in this case you, you can use on site. And we've also we've even now had field view the, the company. We've had a number of conversations around, you know, sharing that. Uh, we've shared that story in the internal at their internal conference. We've been sharing it with other clients of field view because actually the technology is fantastic. But if you looked at it six, 12 months ago within Red Systems, when we'd just taken those forms and dropped them onto the digital solution, it wasn't shining that technology in a, a fantastic light. But now, you know, they're using us as a case study and, and sharing sharing the benefits of it. Great bit at all. But it took time. We empowered those people closest to the problem. We mapped the end-to-end process. We, processes. We understood you know, we took time on understanding what is the problem we're trying to solve and then looked at, okay, so what can the technology, how can the technology benefit to, to deliver financial benefits, improve, improve performance? And I think one thing, uh, one thing alone, we, um, it was costing us around £15,000 a month on, on certain defects on site. We reduced that after doing that work to around £270 a month. We had a massive improvement, but we stepped through that process. There's a clue, I suppose, in the title of continuous improvement that it carries on. It's one of these things that it's not a, we do it this month, we don't do it next month. There's always that ongoing review, like you say, buying into the challenge, setting up for success. So how do you stop it becoming stale or people saying, oh yeah, but we've looked at everything and everything's as good as it can be? It's, it's important to have that continuous, impro- continuous improvement program in, in place um, and keeping that alive and keeping the senior, ensuring the senior stakeholder, stakeholder buy-in. If I had to sum up continuous improvement in so four, four phrases, I think it's the sustainable improvement of all processes. It's working closely with those who are closest to the problem as they're most likely able to be able to fix it. It's getting to the simplest solution and it's making things better for our staff and our customers and the bottom line. And I think really to, to emphasize your, you know, your, the, the point around empowering those people closest to the problem. If they raise to you challenges and issues of how to improve the process or challenges and issues or opportunities that they're facing on a, on a daily basis, if you take those and you drive them into the new process or you improve the process using their voice, the engagement, uh, the engagement you see, and the engagement I've seen in the past is 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 fantastic, and that continues to drive continuous improvement throughout the organisation, or throughout any organisation. So having a good mechanism of sourcing feedback from the factory floor, the shop floor, yeah. in modern world, again, we've seen it during lockdown. Lots of people have introduced colleague apps where they can interact. You know, the use of Hangouts Teams all those other WebEx things have gone up. So there's plenty of low-cost ways to source that information, isn't there? And there'll be organisations that reward colleagues that come up with the best ideas that then end up going into production. So there can almost be an incentive for people to provide their ideas to those teams to drive the improvement. 
I've certainly been involved in a number in the past. As you've said, you know, there's some real simple things. You know, I set up a, an email address, a standard um if you've got any ideas to improve or opportunities to improve email, you know, send, send the email in. We've, we've used text messages. We've used uh, portals. You know, I can't emphasize enough how important that, and, and that insight, insight is. One of the companies, one of the organizations I worked in, one of their engagement surveys, the, the challenges of being able to voice their ideas or their issues or opportunities to improve the organization, that came out in the verbatim feedback. Um, and one of the points that we did is we introduced an ideation program and we allowed colleagues from the person on the till to the per, to the CEO to submit ideas or ideas to improve issues or opportunities where they saw uh, for process improvement. And we, we allowed, you know, we, we provided that forum, we provided that portal so that they could submit those. And one that came in, um, led to a cost avoidance in an organization of over a million pounds and and sometimes it's the simplest solutions um that are most that the that are the most effective and like i said uh, towards the beginning it's how the the expertise or, or it's how it's the facilitation it's how you facilitate that improvement program facilitate those ideas and bring those ideas to life more often than not that person on the till has got um, in fact, the the idea resulted in a million pound cost avoidance came from a, a, a lady on the till that was working 15 hours, 15 hours a week. She'd been with the business for I think it was about 10 years and it was just a simple idea um, and resulted in, uh, yes, yeah, a million pounds cost avoidance in the organisation. When I used to work at Focus and I'll reference it because they're not around anymore, we used to have a scheme called All Ideas Matter and that is exactly the same thing. I think you emailed it in at the time. The interesting thing was we agreed that however strange, let's say, the request was, because you're, you're always going to get um, some interesting ones when you ask a, a group of people anon- anonymously or not, that they had to be acknowledged because, you know, people are giving up their time ideas. Some of them are practical, some are impractical, some are involved with big cost to implement and all, all those other things that go into the consideration. But when you boil it back down, actually, they've they've taken the time to try and make that business better. So we, even if the response is thanks, we thought about it, we can't do it. I think people really appreciate that. Then it just going into a black hole and building the apathy of, well, you know, I've given you five ideas and never heard back. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, and that's and that's critical in um, making sure that in some way, shape or form, I can only echo your comments there, it's, it's making sure you give them a response. And also you've got to be careful whether that's not just a generic response as well. How can you do a targeted response? And it's really difficult when you've got when you've got thousands of uh, thousands of colleagues in an organization, but the value that some of those ideas bring. And, and it creates your pipeline of future process improvements. At one point we were getting sort of 200, 200 plus a week. Uh, and actually there's stuff that's that, that that's longer term. There was stuff that were quick wins. So what we what what we were able to do is funnel that into a prioritization model. So based on benefit and effort, you know which are the quick wins, which are the short term, medium term, and longer term um, initiatives. But ultimately, the majority of the process improvements on part or pipeline of improvements came from uh, the ideation program. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It- be interesting in future years how many 
companies kind of ramp the importance of that up. I'm sure there'll be some companies that stop or have stopped. So maybe there's a, an indicator there of uh, sustainability. So uh, in, interesting stuff, interesting stuff. So the other thing we were going to touch on was business improvement apprenticeships. Again, timely, I think job market's going to be really uncertain. We've seen lots of redundancies, unfortunately. I, I personally think there's probably a lot more to come after we get through furlough dropping off after we get through whatever Black Friday is going to be in Christmas and then January. Was it last couple of weeks ago the government said we're officially in recession? So I don't know, apprenticeships went, came back. They've kind of been there at a lower level, haven't they, for the last five, six, seven years. So yeah, enlighten us on the business improvement apprenticeships and, and what that's all about and kind of how it works. Business improvement apprenticeships are relatively, relatively new. Uh, we talked at the, uh, at the start around Lean Six Sigma, um, and Lean Six Sigma essentially being a business improvement business improvement um, methodology. If you looked at Lean Six Sigma, they measure the um, they measure it in belts. So there's stage one, which is essentially a white belt, uh, which is a part you become part of a problem solving team, and you move to yellow belt, then green belt, and then black belt, and then you can go up to to, to master black belt. What the business improvement apprenticeships have done is use some of that insight, but map those into business improvement apprenticeships. And there's been some um, the standards that have been developed have been developed by some some uh, really influential organisations. So BT helped develop the standards, BSI, Jaguar Land Rover. They all help develop the business improvement apprenticeships using some of the Lean Six Sigma methodology and tools. And providing a world-class thinking and tools in problem solving and process improvement using that Lean Six Sigma and operational operational excellence framework includes project management, includes change management, and also team working and leadership. And if you looked at Yellow Belt, for example, that's essentially business improvement apprenticeship, improvement technician level three, and that's suitable for operators, team members, and and covers topics such as facilitating improvement activities and engaging team members. So even at the, that level three, it's around how, you know, how do you engage and, and, and empower those people closest to the problem? And that's a 12-month program. A green belt, which is essentially now an improvement technician level four, developing the tools, building on those tools, and more uh, suitable for project controllers or professionals, team leaders, team managers. And again, it's developing that next stage of, uh, of experience, starting to look at the data, data-driven problem solving. How do you manage improvement projects? And then Black Belt Improvement Specialist Level 5. And again, you know, it's more for senior managers, but it's key topics are covered, leading complex improvements, coaching practitioners, you know, analyzing data, and that's a 15-month program. So, so taking the Lean Six Sigma methodology, simplifying that technical language, business improvements, essentially, and that's what I do now. In the past, I've, I've gone and said, I'm a, I'm, I, I, you know, we're going to train you in Lean Six Sigma. Well, actually, essentially, we're going we're gonna to give you a set of tools and provide you with a set of tools, which are business improvement tools. And with the apprenticeship, you know, the, the, the programs range from, like I say, 12 months to 18 months plus, but you deliver a project as part of that, to the, uh, to, as part of uh, your apprenticeship to the organisation. So 
couple of key employee benefits, you know, improved problem solving and process improvement. You're using data to drive decision making. And uh, as I was saying, you know, you are given a project or you work on a project that's either aligned to the strategy and it's a process improvement project and the organization benefits from that employer employee going through that training and completing improvement and activities and projects aligned to the organization. So typically there's a 20 to 80% closure of performance gaps through, through that. There's increased staff morale and retention through making improvements in the workplace. There's some great employee benefits with business improvement apprenticeships. And then there's the personal benefits, increased skills and confidence, how improved employability and a chance to meet and work with others. So there's some really good stuff about in business improvement apprenticeships. They're relatively new, been around a couple of years now. Uh, it's really good to see how they're using that continuous improvement methodology and mapping that into to business improvement apprenticeships. And what type of business are the apprenticeships open to? Can any business apply with a certain criteria? No, so any any business can apply. And um, certainly we're looking at it for in terms of construction. I did a, a webinar to the Chartered Institute of Builders talking about this last week. So, uh, some experience talking to individuals from a manufacturing point of view. And I know that retail, uh, some of the retail uh, businesses I've worked in have been heavily involved in it. Yeah, the opportunity to deliver a project, a business improvement project while develop, while working through your apprenticeship. Fantastic, fantastic opportunity. Most businesses that have to pay into the apprenticeship levy, this is, I suppose, the return of doing that. So actually, you um, you get something back for paying into that. Yeah, you do. Uh, real, real valid point. You know, as many businesses have uh, I'm sure I've got a I've got a long list of projects that need completing. If my memory serves me right, for all businesses with a payroll bill over three million, have yeah. to pay into it, and it's like half a percent of their payroll bill each month. So, again, it's if you're paying in and not using apprentices, then you're kind of paying for someone else's almost. So, I think there's there's a real big financial benefit for doing that. People want to find out more about the business improvement apprenticeships. I assume they can get in contact with you, and you. Yeah, absolutely. Give me a call. I, I, um, send, send, me, send me an email. Happy to talk further on business improvement apprenticeships and also um, share some further insight on um, on some of the uh, process transformation I've been involved in, in in the past 15 years. Brilliant. And where's the best place for people to find you, Andy? So I have a website, um, which is www.redjam.co.uk. Uh, I have an email address, which is andy.almy at redjam.co.uk. I'd love to carry on these conversations. And you're on LinkedIn as well, aren't you, if people want to hook, hook up with you on there? Yeah, on LinkedIn as well. Good stuff. Well, listen, it's been it's been a, an interesting chat. I mean, Lean Six Sigma Continuous Improvement is a world we work around. Sometimes the methodology or the names scare people off, but actually I think hopefully we've, we've boiled it down to something simple that people can understand and see the value of today. Apprenticeships, I think that's going to be the future in a, a world of high unemployment, certainly for the younger generation, you know, learn and get paid on the job and as in, an employer get, get some benefit and, and attract some really great people that grow within your business. So that that kind of stuff I'm all in favour of. Brilliant stuff. Fantastic. Last, qu- last question then. I know you've listened to a few, so you'll know what's coming. What's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given? The best bit of a business advice I've ever been given, and I've said it a couple, I've said it numerous times on on, on this podcast, 
is about the importance of empowering people closest to the problem. I, I would echo that and I've echoed that in, um, and use that in every organisation I've worked on. Echo that and completely see it from pretty much any industry in, in the world. So, uh, yeah, good advice and let's hope some people take it on board. It's been a pleasure, Andy. Thanks for coming on and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Armin.